Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Ginger Cadlick. Ginger is a child advocate, and through her website, BeAKidsHero.com, she raises awareness on a larger scale about child sexual and physical abuse. Ginger is also active in education and prevention efforts to protect children. Hi, Ginger. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hello, Annie. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Well, thank you very much. This is a really important topic we're going to be covering today. It's not something I've ever covered in the three-plus years I've done podcasts, and I'm so glad to have connected with you and your work on, on Twitter. So we're going to be talking about child abuse protection, prevention, awareness, and um, how we can keep our kids safer. And the first question I want to ask you is, um, how did you get into this work? Because I'm sure it's, it's heavy. It is heavy, Annie. You know what? Actually, I kind of fell into this work, if you will. Um, I was in the corporate world for about 20 years and then did some consulting. And a friend of mine um, asked me if I would mind doing an interim gig at a child advocacy center in our community as the executive director until they found someone that they wanted to um, hire permanently. And I'll tell you what, it was a game changer for me. So I got to you know, really be entrenched in and learn about uh, what was going on in the world of, of child abuse. And I hate to say this, but you know what, Annie? I was one of those people who knew child abuse existed but really didn't have a firm grasp on just how vast a problem it is. And so after working there for probably it was about a year and a half um, and becoming a trained child forensic interviewer and then serving on the board of directors for that CAC, which stands for Child Advocacy Center, and now I'm on another board of directors for a different one. Um, I do training for uh, the state, and it's just it's really become a passion of mine. And my background was in technology, and so I really wanted to try to use some of my previous experience to help educate parents and other caring adults about what they can do to try to help protect children in their lives. So that's, well, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> well, it's amazing that you made this transition, and you say life-changing. I think I probably right now am one of the people that you – identified with in terms of I knew it was out there but didn't really know how um, entrenched or pro- prolific the the um, abuses are. So how about if we start by really defining terms? How do you define child abuse? Well, child abuse can actually take on many different forms. So child maltreatment is kind of a more broad way of referring to child abuse. Um, maltreatment can be physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or even neglect. And in fact, in um, I think it's around 80% of all child abuse cases, neglect is a component of that. So the largest form of child maltreatment in, in the country today is actually neglect, which can be in the form of, you know, not paying attention to kids or not taking care of them and not giving them enough food, clothing, you know, they say one in five children goes to school hungry, you know, all of those kind of things play into child neglect. Okay, so here's the question, you know, what goes on inside someone's home and someone's family is very, very private. How are people supposed to be more aware of these kinds of situations, neglect, etc., when... Um, Kids may not be likely to speak up. Parents mm-hmm. certainly are not going to be likely to speak up about what's going on. They may not even have awareness that the way they're treating their children is, in fact, neglectful or abusive. So mm-hmm. those of us who are outside the family, how can we become more tuned in to what might be going on with a child? Annie, that is a fantastic question, and there are several ways that you can do that. Um, one of the easiest ways, believe it or not, is to look at any animals that are in the home. Um, Mm -hmm. And if an animal is typically neglected, like if if a dog is kept out on a chain, 
um, for example, or if they look like they are malnourished or if they aren't treated medically or anything like that, that is a wonderful sign for people to kind of consider, wow, you know what, if they're not taking care of their animals in the home, wow, are there children in the home? Are there elderly um, family members that are in the home, that kind of thing. So that really is actually a very good way to, to good sign, I guess, or a good signal that just anyone can take a look at. Um, another thing is that schools are a huge um, place for people to um, kind of see children in action and that kind of thing. So teachers actually see more uh, maltreated kids than anybody. And so unfortunately, a lot of onus falls to the teachers to kind of help identify that, but they do see it. They'll see the kids that come to school hungry. They'll see kids come to school with bruises on them, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And also talking with your own children and making them aware of how other people are supposed to be treated. They then can also help look out for their friends and other class classmates and, you know, people at church or people on the playground, that kind of stuff, kids on the playground, to try and help them identify and say, well, you know what, mom or dad, I'm really worried about little Billy because, you know, he just seems really like always hungry or he comes to school dirty. Example, I, you know, and this is back when I was in sixth grade. I remember there was a girl in my sixth grade class who would come to school with a large, like, knot of hair, just was never combed out matted. or anything. And uh-huh. I, matted, thank you, uh-huh. yes. And, um, to, the, you know, to this day, I worry about her because I wonder, you know, I wonder what ever happened to her and I wonder what was happening to her. Because now, as an adult, through my eyes, she wore the same clothes to school every day. She had matted hair. She was very thin. You know, I kind of wonder, you know, that, that probably was a victim of maltreatment, you know, or neglect in her home. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. Let's talk about the teachers because they see 30 kids every day. And, and you know, I'm always very um, appreciative of, of the work mm-hmm. the teachers do and also the fact that they could be kind of the first line of, of defense for, mm-hmm. for kids who, um, if, if that trust is there. So if a teacher, for example, is suspicious in some way of the treatment that a child is getting at home, what can he or she do first, first step? That's a great question. Um, one of the things that they can do is actually just ask them, you know, how, how are you doing today? You know, just to kind of find out how things are going. And then, you know, even just questioning things like to get to know the child. So tell me about, tell me about, you know, what you do, what you like to do at home, you know, and have them start talking. And there could be little triggers or signals that the child might say that the teacher then could, could follow up on. Like, you know, what you know, the child might say, well, I've got, you know, five brothers and sisters. Oh, really? Well, where do you fall in the pecking order? You try to find out a little bit about that and then start asking about, well, who, you know, who takes care of you? How old are the kids? You know, that kind of thing. And, and also ask about pets again. Asking about pets is amazing because you can really find out a lot, found, find out a lot about what is happening in a home by having a child talk about the family pet and who's taking care of the family pet or if the child has reason to worry about the pet. And if a teacher does have reason to worry, even just the slightest suspicion, what I would recommend is actually connecting with the school counselor. And hopefully the school counselor has gone through some kind of training who can, you know, can actually bring the child in and talk further about what's happening. And then possibly even schedule a forensic interview um, at a child advocacy center if they believe that there is reason that that child might be either maltreated or, or harmed in some way. So, um, th- that's what I would recommend doing. Now, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect yeah. sense. I see that there are there are options teachers have rather than just turn a blind eye or say, "Well, this is a family matter; it doesn't concern me." Um, right. I think that tends to be a, an attitude prevalent from parent to parent. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much on a teacher level. And right. and so your example of help it, talking to your own children about um, looking out for the welfare of their classmates and their friends and what they can do as 
children who who have um, kind of that uh-oh feeling that, mm-hmm. that something might be going on with Johnny or Billy or, or Emma um, to come to a parent and talk about it. Now, that's a tricky part because now I may be privy to some information. It I don't know if it's easier or harder if that child has been in my home as a friend of my child and um, then I have some kind of connection with the parent. But what happens in either case, if I have some connection with a parent because our kids have had play dates together, or my kid has said, or I've noticed because I've picked my kid up, that that one over there seems to be in trouble. What do I mm-hmm. as a parent do for my next step? That's a good, another great question. Um, I'm a big believer in taking action. And if you even have the slightest suspicion that something is going on, I think it's really important to start making some phone calls. And you may not want to call that parent directly, um, but rather call the school, talk to the counselor, find out, how, you know, just say, hey, here's, here's, my, here's my concern. But then also follow up with a call to law enforcement. And once, once that happens, though, know that, that, that they're going to follow up on that. And they will probably, if there's a child advocacy center in the community, they're probably going to want to bring that child in for an interview to find out if that child is indeed safe or if something is happening. So calls can be made anonymously, either to law enforcement or to Child Protective Services or the Department of Child Services, whatever it's called in your community or your state. Um, but those calls are so important because oftentimes those gut instincts that we have or clues that our children will tell us are huge. Yeah. And to not take action on that actually places that child in, in further danger. So it doesn't hurt to have the investigation happen or somebody take a look at it to make sure the child is okay. And if I was a parent, if someone makes a report for, you know, for me because they're concerned, you know, I'm actually going to be appreciative of that, you know, because I want to make sure my child is okay too, because there could be things that are happening outside of the home that the parent doesn't even know about, that the child may be scared to talk about. So there could be just a myriad of situations or things that are going on in that child's life. So big believer in taking action, big believer in making a phone call and just trying to get the ball rolling to make sure that child's okay. You know, what what comes up for me, I'm thinking about, I'm glad you said that these these conversations and phone calls to authorities would remain anonymous because I just started, I mean, I'm a writer and so I'm, I'm already ahead in the scene and, you know, um, Mrs. Jones finds out that I said something about the treatment of her child. The cops called her. She is pissed and she right. comes in my face and it's like, whoa. Um, so... I would never want my personal fear to get in the way of doing the right thing for a kid. Very good point, Annie. Absolutely. And that's why they that's why authorities allow those calls to be anonymous. You can you have a choice to either leave your name or not. So a lot of people don't want for your you know the very points you've raised, they don't yeah. want to get in the middle of it. You know, they they don't want they don't want repercussions for their kids or their family or whatever it might be. So absolutely. So anonymous calls are definitely an option for people. You know, I was just thinking of another thing in terms of role modeling, which is, is something that we as parents do as, and we're teachers, you know, not all teachers are parents, but all parents are teachers. And when you um, take a stand and, and put your neck out, so to speak, to make sure that a child is being treated well as they, Mm -hmm. as all children deserve, your own children are looking at you and saying, wow, Look what my mom or dad did. I feel really proud. And they are more likely then, don't you think, to, to do oh, the same thing. 
100%. That is an excellent point. I, I totally agree with you. And it actually is empowering for them, too, right? And so if something would happen to them later on in life or mm-hmm. even as a, as a child, they'll take action and stand up for themselves or stand up for a friend. You know, and that's that's you know kind of sliding over into domestic violence cases. You know, that's, that's a huge thing that, you know, parents that are victims of domestic violence find themselves in a tough situation oftentimes. But kids are seeing that. And kids will see how that parent responds. And if the parent just puts up with it, well, that teaches a strong lesson to the child, too. So very, very important. I, that's yeah. a great point. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And and um, even though we only have a couple more minutes, I have one more question before we get to where people can find out more about your work. Sure. And, and that is, what's the big takeaway here for parents who are listening, who um, are parents who are doing the right thing by their kids and may may have some concerns now about some kids that are in their sphere through through um, youth organizations that their kids may belong in teams and things like that. That kid over there, I've always wondered, um, is that kid okay? Um, mm-hmm. What's the number one takeaway for parents today um, who've heard this and and want to be more proactive about helping kids? I would say trust your gut. I mean, mm-hmm. people have an intuitive or instinctive reaction or or thought about situations that are often spot on or I mean, they may not be spot on, but they could definitely have a bit of truth behind them, if that makes sense. So yeah. I would say trust your gut. If you are worried about a child, uh, be their voice, you know, talk to the child, be not necessarily putting them on the spot, but just see if, see if you can find out what's going on in the child's life. If, if you feel like they have, you have that kind of relationship, if the child is involved in church or school or whatever, talk to the teacher, talk to the counselor, talk to the, you know, coach, whatever it might be. And tr- try to, you know, tag team it a little bit and see that, it, you know, if you, you adults can figure out if that child is indeed in a good place or whether that child needs help. Because so often kids that are in, that are in um, situations where they're abused or they're maltreated or neglected, whatever it might be, they're not going to talk about it. You know, right. oftentimes the people that are abusing them are people that they love and they don't want to get them in trouble. They don't want to hurt them. Or they may, like you said earlier, they may not even know that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us, we adults who are looking out for each other to make sure that we can be the voice for those kids that can't speak up for themselves. We're all villagers, right? We are. <laughs> That's a statement of fact. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. We only have a minute left, and I'm so appreciative of your time. Um, Ginger, can we just give out a URL where, where our listeners and viewers can find out more about the work that you do? Absolutely. I invite everyone to come to uh, BeAKidsHero.com, and there I have write about different issues related to um, child abuse prevention and education for parents, and hope you can have a chance to go visit me. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and um, Instagram and LinkedIn and <laughs> all over the place. So I'd love to, love to meet everybody out on the web. Thank you so much for your time and for this really important work you're doing. I'm, I'm proud to know you. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. To learn more about my work with parents of tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. And my latest book for tween girls, The Girls' Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And if you like this podcast, please consider rating us on iTunes. It may be a little thing to you, but it will mean an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Eggplant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be Dr. Patrick Duffy. Dr. Duffy is the author of the new book, Parenting Your Delinquent, Defiant, or Out-of-Control Teen. 
how to help your teen stay in school and out of trouble using an innovative, multi-systemic approach. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.